dialogue. I like it. Good morning and welcome to the Business Leadership Live. It's Monday, the 30th of July, 2018. The Business Leadership Live podcast live. It's a live radio call-in show where I speak to amazing business leaders, subject matter experts, and thought leaders to discuss latest innovations, current events, or best practices that will help you personally and professionally grow. Thank you for joining. My name is Edwin Frondozo. This call is brought to you by Dialogue. Like, so if you like discussions and debates, you can host your own call and talk show over social media. And really excited today, my co-host is Graham Davis. He's the CEO of Bruja Inc. Graham is a driven and passionate leader. I th think he has over a decade of experience in the events and entertainment industry, including past experiences as the president and board director of the mobile application company Showdom Inc. And as mentioned, his current positions are CEO of Bruja and the Chief Revenue Officer of the Entrepreneurship Society. Today, I'm really, I'm really excited about today's topic. Today's topic is what role should the CEO be playing for an early stage startup? So if you are joining us live, we'd love to hear from you. Whether you have a question, you could, you could type it directly into the browser or you could request to join us live, join myself and Graham live and, and really share your stories or questions like that. But without further ado, Graham, happy Monday. How are you doing today? How's it going, Edwin? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I have a coffee. I'm sitting in my conference room. I've gone through my morning meetings and, and I'm ready. I'm ready to start this day. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. That's the, that's the hashtag Monday motivation right there. Yeah. <laughs> Especially getting things, getting your coffee and your, your meetings done. I mean, for those who are listening, we're in the East coast time. So, so that's good. Why, why don't we just, let's just jump in it. Uh, Graham, let's get this discussion going. Um, what do you think the responsibility of a CEO slash founder in the early days of a startup? I mean, Specifically for both you and I, we have SaaS startups. So let, let's think about that. What's, what's the responsibility? Yeah. Um, so I think for, and especially like, and now coming from our sort of uh, Canadian ecosystem, and although I, I would say is applicable anywhere, um, it's really just comes down to selling. Um, the way we've always treated our startup, and so this uh, Bruja, just for context, is uh, my second startup. Uh, the first was a company called Shodam. Um, both mm -hmm. are in the events and entertainment space. So yeah. Shodam was a mobile application. We, we really tackled the problem of event discovery. And Bruja was more or less evolved in, from that into um, what is today a ticketing provider, as well as an influencer marketing um, slash, I guess, uh, community um, growth play, uh, which is really interesting. But yeah, so so in both these, and like, and this is my experience in both companies. Um, I never really like, especially in the early days, I was very hesitant to call myself a CEO <laughs> um, because I always felt it was like a term you had to earn. Uh, in the other days, yeah, same with me. Same with me. I would I would call myself. I think my early business cards is like director of sales or director. <laughs> yeah. I would never put CEO. Right. Cause you know, um, well, when, with that title comes a lot of, you know, it's like, it kind of detracts away from what the role, you know, you're really playing in those early days. And 
and I think founder is a more appropriate term because you are in the you know in the trenches, sort of <laughs> battling it out and building this company. Um, yeah, it's similar. I totally agree. It was always like sales, um, director of sales, or just sometimes I would just put sales and marketing. <laughs> that was my. I would. Job I would title. actually put. I would put <laughs> VP of business development. That felt VP like of business development. Like, cool. Uh, like that. Because <laughs> I, I, because I mean, we, with my with my company Slingshot, we do telecommunication services. So cool. you know, I'm working with people who are not founders, so they don't care if I'm a CEO or founder. So that's. <laughs> Sort of my mindset. So it would be like, do I go into a company with 200 employees and I'm like, oh, I'm the CEO or founder? So that, that was my mindset. But I, I do, I do hear where you're coming from. You know, yeah. I like what, what our real role is, right? I like that, and I like it too because there's this perception of you're a bigger company than you actually are. <laughs> like, if they could see on the other side of the uh, the phone call, it would just be like one or two people sitting in a room. <laughs> I know it's all <laughs> it's all these mind games that we play, right? Which yeah. <laughs> sort of deters us from our, our our true responsibility as as the CEO, right? For sure, yeah. And I think um, there's definitely something to say for uh, fake it till you make it. I know that's such a cliche term, uh, mm -hmm. but sales in general, like you're really selling the value, not just sorry the value of you know whatever the product is or the company. You're also sort of selling the vision, like where it's going, right? You know, sure, today we have feature X, Y, and Z, but tomorrow we're going to have, you know, A, B, and C, and it's going to be wonderful. Um, and when you're really like selling those early adopters, especially your first, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 clients, customers, um, you're in a big way, you're selling them on the vision <laughs> because the reality, well, in our space, I should mm -hmm. for myself, the reality is our competitors were much further ahead um, from a product standpoint. And so, you know, and customer service will only ever get you so far. Um, it was really like to, to really hone in on, okay, the few core value pieces we had at the forefront, but, you know, also let's have this sort of backstory on where this company is headed and why it's so important for them to be a part of it today in that growth. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's, it's really, it's really understanding what, what to do but as a founder. And I'm sure you get into this a lot, Graham, like, what are you, I mean, it's hard to focus for me whenever, when I started and I, when we bootstrapped, it was like, I never thought about raising capital. I always thought <laughs> what me raising capital is me getting companies to pay for me. And the revenue, the better I did, the better, the more revenue, the more customers I had, the better I could expand and growth from that. So when, mm -hmm. when should, when should, I guess, maybe through your specific experience or maybe what you tell people now, like when mm -hmm. focusing on one or the other? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I've made, I've made many mistakes when it comes to raising capital, at least <laughs> As far as I can tell from uh, from what I read today and some other um, some of my friends and their experiences, mm -hmm. but um, uh, so we when we started Bruja, um, um, and again for context, prior to Bruja, had a startup Shodam, and so I had Shodam started in 2012 and kind of ended around mid late 2015, and so for those mm -hmm. uh, well, I guess almost three years there. We, we raised zero cap, 
that was completely bootstrapped and that was like that was our own money going into the company and that was us just full-on sales and customer acquisition and starting Bruja, i think i was still very much in that mindset um where it was it was all about like i've always told myself this story like even why would a VC or an angel or whoever be interested in putting money if we haven't even proven out that there's a viable business here? No MVP, and, no nothing, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And I know that like, and you can look at certain emerging technologies and, and it's a bit of a different story being told just because no one knows what the market's going to look like in two or three years. And so everyone's kind of placing bets early on. Um, for us, it was very different because we were going already into a mature marketplace. Uh, mm -hmm. which was ticketing, right? You've Ticketmaster has been around since the late eighties, you know, Eventbrite became a unicorn, uh, you know, mid to mid uh, to 2000, well, around 2007, 2008. Right. Um, you know, these companies have established a market share and, and it doesn't seem like they're going to go anywhere anytime soon. So for us, we played a much different game and that game was, we need to prove that, you know, within this mature market, we're act, we actually have something, that people want and they'll pay for, um, and that there's an actual business opportunity here. And so, so for the, the second time, we went full bootstrap mode, similar uh, to your experience, and and it was you know it was blood, sweat, and tears, and more of our own money <laughs> that went into those well, early days. No, for sure. I mean, <laughs> and I could totally relate. I mean, in telecommunications, it's not only having these incumbents in place; these are incumbents that are that are closely tied with government regulations, right? With in right, yeah. with FCC. Um, but it, it was just a matter of understanding the pain and the customer. Mm -hmm. And it's and for us it's it's really in the telecom market, and this is being a C putting my CEO hat on, right? <laughs> yes. uh, it's really because everyone is like you said before we went live, we have friends that do chatbots, for example. We have, you know, the, the whole world, startups don't get phone numbers anymore. They just get uh, email us and, 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 and you know, what does, you know, me as the CEO, what, what's the question, like what the, what's the world of work in five, 10 years? And is there a place for real time voice, like what we're doing today? And this is why, this is why I like the, uh, the dialogue platform because I believe there's still value in real time. I don't know how much texting you can do. Um, if a customer is really irate, you're probably going to pick up the phone and talk to them in real life so you can hear their emotions. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> having, yeah. having, having someone type all <laughs> cap letters, you don't know what level of upset they are. That could be one or a hundred. Right? <laughs> you know, there's something to say too for like even from a sale, you know, I know with like, you know, Salesforce and HubSpot, they make it really easy to set up trip campaigns and sequences where you can do everything behind the guise of your computer screen. Um, but there's something to say for picking up a phone and making a hundred phone calls every week. And, and I like, you know, within the companies in our ecosystem that we get to see, um, there's a lot of advocacy for that and for the value of establishing, you know, some sort of relationship outside of an email and, and even as like a CEO, like how important is that? Where you know, talk like getting on a phone with your customer or your prospective customer, and having that conversation and being like, you know, what is your problem? What is that challenge that 
you know, this product is going to solve. Um, in the early days, there's no better advocate than the founders for, for telling the story. That's for sure. No, for sure, 100%. If you're just tuning in right now, Graham and I were discussing what the role of a CEO has in an early startup, specifically for us, a SaaS startup. So if you are listening live right now and have a question, love to hear from you. You can just type it directly into the browser or you could click the talk live on air and we would ha love to have you join us on the air. But I guess just moving the discussion a bit, in terms of the role of CEO, and I joked when I actually tweeted before this on Twitter, I, I had said the roles of a, of a, a CEO was like everything from sales, marketing, IT support, and gar garbage man. Legal, yeah. <laughs> Legal, <laughs> everything. Um, I mean, all, all joking aside, uh, as a motivator, you're not, you're not only selling customers, but you're also selling people to join you on your, on your mission, vision. Yes and to join you as a team. So how, how are you, or what experiences can you share when you were able to find and also keep, you know, motivated? Yeah, um, that was, and so um, again, if you're just joining us, um, so for context for, you know, I've both companies, I've been part of two startups. Uh, the first showed them, the second Bruja. Both companies were bootstrapped and both companies had a founding team that, um, like, you know, making no money and all were incentivized through some sort of equity or share in the company. Um, and so Bruja, when Bruja started around, oh, I think we kicked that off late 2015, early 2016. Um, and, and actually it was me putting out job applications. That's how I found <laughs> the other co-founders, believe it or not. Nice. Um, I like yeah. that one. That actually, that's a good, that's a good growth hack. Yeah. It was literally like, Hey, do you want to start, join a startup and like make no money? But yeah, the, you know, and that's where it comes back to. I think what you're again selling is the vision, right? Is mm -hmm. where is this going? Why is this going to be great? Um, but also when you're that early in and you're really asking people to come on and you know, whether it's a subsidized, they're coming in for a subsidized salary or, you know, sometimes no salary. Um, it's, there has to be something more. Uh, so equity is a huge incentive, uh, as we all know. Like, and that was one thing and I'll be transparent about in any company I've been involved with. Uh, we've always been very um, as equitable and as uh, performance-based as we could when we were modeling our equity structure. So mm -hmm. that no one, like it wasn't as if, you know, the founder CEO has the biggest chunk of the pie and everyone has this like little nibble. <laughs> um, like we really did try to make it like, okay, like what role is the CTO playing? What, you know, how many hours are they actually putting in a week? What does that mean to the growth of the company and the ROI? So, you know, based on this really, maybe what sometimes was a little overly complicated model, you know, this is what they're worth to the company. And, and, we, and we would do that in the form of equity. Um, so there's, you know, so there was uh, how to incentivize people to join the startup. So answer A is, you know, what I would say is building some sort of um, infrastructure and whether that's an equitable infrastructure or, you know, pay grade or whatever, that folks will feel incentivized in order mm -hmm. to, you know, want to see the company grow, want to put in those weekend hours, you know, want to work past 6 p.m. at night. Um, so that was very important. And that also kind of played into the, the, 
the part B and that, and that's in a big way, team culture. Um, even as, so, you know, when we were five, six, seven people, um, and you know, call that, that's probably your upper management or C, uh, C level execs. Um, every time we would ever have like a major, uh, decision. So whether it was going to be, um, a product feature, we were going to spend three, three months building out or whether it was a new market we were going to enter or enter, or it was some sort of contract we were debating, um, even investor relationship. Um, we sat down as an entire team as if this was like our board and we were the early board members and, yeah. and that's how we treated it. And, and I, and you know, <laughs> maybe on that point, you'd have to get the other guys, the other team members perspective. Um, but the way I felt about it was that everyone had a voice and as much as like at the end of the day, like decisions did need to be made, at least everyone's thoughts and feedback were put on the table about that decision. And, you know, not everyone agreed about everything we did. Like we took a very risky move and we decided to build a technology piece called promoter. Um, it was, we knew it was going to take three or four months and we knew the core products still needed a lot of work. Um, it was just for us, it was like a unique thing that no one had done in the space before. And we kind of wanted to jump on it um, while it was still early. Mm-hmm. Um, but that decision, we, you know, we had several meetings with the team, like <laughs> to go to review that decision. And, and some people were very against it and others were very pro it. And the reasons for both, you know, you could like, I agreed, like I agreed that you know, on the one hand, it's like, it's too much time, too much energy, too much money right now for us. And we still have a lot of work to do on core product. And on the flip side, you know, we're at that time, we were looking to raise around and, um, you know, from the sales standpoint, like they need like another tool in their arsenal to say, this is why we're different from the competitors. Um, and so they, they were really pushing for it. And as the CEO, I was just more or less kind of the the moderator. <laughs> like I was yeah. just moderating perspectives. And I was saying, you know, that's a really good point. That's also a very good point. Like, how do you guys feel about, about you know, Christian's point or whoever's point? And, and at the end, it wasn't as if I was coming to the table being like, all right, all right team, this is what we're doing. You know, everyone get so on how, board. How it was, was it done? Did oh, you guys sorry. vote or did you guys vote? Or we like- voted. Yeah, we always voted. Um, everyone votes and it's usually unanimous is where we would, where we would take it. If it was like totally split down the middle, um, at, at some point I would then have to be like, okay, guys, we're going to go this route. Um, and <laughs> if we screw up, you guys can all blame me. Uh, but yeah, I, I always viewed my role in the, those negotiations as the moderator. Like I was just moderating perspectives in the room and that's all I was doing. And maybe like, you know, throwing out a little tidbit here and there, like, hey, you know, you have this perspective. Well, here's a challenge to that. What would you respond with? Right. But, but not rather more playing that role rather than instilling my, you know, my I don't know, authority or whatever you want to call it on the on the team. Yeah, no, for sure. So let me ask you this, and I don't know if it's if this is an easy or, or very specific. So you, you that if something is split you may have to i mean depending on the time it's time sensitive you'd have to choose choose to make a decision so how do you if if you chose a decision that was let's say an unpopular decision like how are you motivating people like what tips are you 
you have to motivate them to, to get them to do it? It's, so that is something where, um, and, and I would advocate for any, anyone in a leadership role that mm-hmm. whoever your top, top tier management or top people in the company, they always have to be the hardest working. Yes. Um, so if you're, you know, if we would make a decision, we're like, okay, we're going down this road and, you know, everyone hop on board. Uh, it was really up to me to kind of lead that charge. And that's when my role really, really came in where like right. a lot of the, the work, <laughs> like I was writing creative briefs. I was writing technical specs. I was, you know, working with the CTO, like though I was working with the CTO on that, you know, he's busy with other stuff. So I'm the one that was actually like typing it out and doing all the legwork um, and basically kind of like driving that train uh, in that, in, like, yeah, being the yeah. you're like the product owner. You're doing the, correct. Yes, you got it. <laughs> you are you doing the customer interviews. You're doing exactly. Yeah, you know, it's trying to get the beta users. You're trying to. Get, <laughs> right? I know this pain. Very, very, this pain. Like, and, and the funny thing is, as as I asked you for motivation, if you or I weren't doing all of them, it's hard to motivate whether they're equity partners or even. Um, employees or contractors that are working for you, it's hard to, you know, expect these people to to make make an effort if they don't see you making the yes. effort or 110% effort. Like I've I've done I'm not I'm not the greatest UI UX guy, but I've I've used every <laughs> program to draw something out, right? So <laughs> that's it. Like it's yeah, and I think that speaks um, you know that's that's huge. Like even you like <laughs> As a CEO, you're always going to wear many hats and many of those hats, you're not going to be the master of. And there's going to be other people that are going to be a lot more competent at that role than you are. But, but it is almost your responsibility to drive that initiative. And if that means like hopping on Canva and starting to do UX designs just so that the actual designer can know, okay, I get the vision here. I get what he's trying to do. Let's make this actually look good. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? Canva, PowerPoint, I've used it all. Yeah, whatever, yeah. I'm but a self, I, self-taught self InDesign just because it was like a necessity uh, at the end of the day. <laughs> like, I, I can leave this. I, I've done so many. But I mean, to, to your point, I think it makes you a better communicator if you understand these experts' roles. Even if you're a level one out of 10 in UI UX design, I think... I think any person around your team will respect you for even trying to communicate that because that's what they're there for. You need to, mm-hmm. I mean, unless you have a real huge team, you could just really, and they understand how to work with you mm-hmm. to, as a, as an early startup founder CEO, you have to, you have to do it all, man. Yeah. Yeah. I always like the vision I've always had in my own head of, of conceptualizing that is, you know, those, those early founders are kind of doing and you know, <laughs> like literally everything. Uh, as there's certain become replaced, more competent people <laughs> that can focus on that full time. Um, exactly, and that's kind of and that's what a, a, a scale of a company should look like, right? Is it you know you should those roles should start being filled as the company begins to outgrow them, if you will, like from having your CEO doing it. <laughs> um, exactly, yeah. exactly. No, so if you're just tuning in, I mean, we, we Graham and I were just talking about, you know, being a startup founder, the roles of the CEO, 
Uh, we're just really winding down our conversation, but it, it's really something both Graham and I, I mean, I, I feel like we, we've, we've, we've had the same, I'm sure people who listen to this live or, or pre-recorded um, could relate. It's, uh, it's doing everything and really learning. You could, I mean, I've, I've gone from the point where, you know, the mindset like, oh, I, I'm just going to hire someone or I'm going to tell them to do it, but nothing happens. Right. So it was to that point where we have to do things, but Graham, I'd love to get any final tips um, before we end from you for who's listening live or pre-recorded. If, uh, if they are in a startup or just starting up, what tips would you give to them for being that CEO or that founder or that leader of of a very small company? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so what I would always say is like, and it's always dependent on how big or how small your vision is. And it, and it doesn't, neither is right or wrong. Um, the one thing that I've always found very effective is building a really strong team early. Um, and it might only be one other person or it might be three other people. Um, but, uh, in both the companies that I've so far, both startups that I've run, I did one with a with kind of not really having a core team, and the other with having a very strong founding team. And the differences are like miles apart. And just the ability to really trust in these other people um, to take certain responsibilities that otherwise you're just not going to have time for, nor might you be the best person to be doing it. Um, and I know, again, that sounds so, you know, you've probably heard that message a million times before, but, um, I still see it time and time again, like, you know, <laughs> these, these people just trying to like, like just do it themselves and, and, or it's like two of them and they're, you know, they're trying to run this, this business that really you need more people and you need to trust in those people. And, uh, it's, yeah, that's. It's it's huge. Yeah. Trust, uh, it, no, it's. Uh, I believe it. I believe it, and I've been getting better at it. So I've been. I mean, even just for my podcast. Right. Yes. So my podcast team, believe it or not, is already up to six people, and these are all wow. all contractors. But it was really like because I built. It's funny. I talk about UI UX. I've never done audio production in my life, but now I'm. Cool. You know, rewind like. A year and a half ago, I'm trying to learn how to do, how do you do this audio stuff? You know what? Okay, I know stuff, and then I hire this person. Okay, how do I do this social? Hire someone. Hire, hire. But it's also going going through this process of uh, of doing these things. But uh, yeah. no, it's it's really interesting. Um, and this, I could, I think, I think you and I need to talk about this again. <laughs> but Graham, where can we find information about you, Bruno? Yeah. Or anything else you'd love to share to the to, to the listeners today? Well, I, I think on this one, I'm just going to plug the crap out of my company. If that's okay. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That, that. That's what the CEO does. Yeah. If I, if I'm going to be completely transparent about it. So um, <laughs> yeah, check us out. Our website is bruha.com. That's B-R-U-H-A.com. Um, you can see it. Find us on social media. Uh, we're Bruha Exclusive or at Bruha Exclusive on any Twitter, Facebook, and um, whatever the other one is, Instagram, that, that's what it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> LinkedIn, you can find me. Um, 
Graham Davis, uh, that's G-R-A-E-M-E, Davis, D-A-V-I-S, uh, Bruja. And yeah, flip me, feel free to flip me a message anytime, ask anything. I love this stuff. I'm always super passionate, as you can tell, about you know early stage companies. Uh, this is my sweet spot. This is, this is what I love to do most. So always happy to talk more about it. Well, Graham, it's definitely a pleasure. Really appreciate your time joining us. And talking about something that you and I have a lot of experience about, and I know I'm always talking to new startup owners, new entrepreneurs, so it's been a blast, and we'll definitely have to schedule in another time in the near future. Thanks so much, Edwin, man. I'm looking forward to it. So the Business Leadership Live is an almost daily show, so be sure to join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. This call today was brought to you by Dialogue, so if you like discussions and debates, you can host your own call-in talk show over social media and if you haven't done so yet please be sure to check the my award-winning the business leadership podcast where i sit down with business leaders to discuss the personal journey and experience of business leaderships and by the way before i before i forget i was nominated for business leadership uh, business best business podcast at the podcast award it's an international um uh, recognition award so I would love your votes. Go to uh, podcastawards.com and, and choose me, the Business Leadership Podcast. Um, but you could listen to the podcast at, in iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're listening to us today. But that's a wrap. Um, happy Monday. Have an amazing week, everyone. And uh, we'll, he we'll hear you. Oh, man, I'm, I'm getting wordy, but I will hear from you next time. Have a fantastic day. Edwin signing off.